Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee faithfully served the Lord for more than seven decades, co-laboring with Watchman Nee in China in the first half of the 20th century, before continuing his ministry in Taiwan, later in America, and eventually over the entire earth. He spoke these weekly Life Study messages before thousands of people, and much of his speaking has been published as over 400 titles. These life studies are perhaps his most significant work, taking 21 years for him to complete, and we're happy today to be able to bring you selected portions from those messages. If you'd like to find out more about his ministry, about the life studies themselves, and Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org. Now let's join today's program. The word slavery has a powerful and we would say even a painful connotation in today's society. Yet in the Bible, it's often referred to to describe an aspect of everyday life for many of God's people. In a sense, it helps to remember that we all have a background of a very real kind of slavery, that is, slavery to the world and to sin. In Christ, God has set us all free. This is the promise of the gospel and the hope of our Christian life. For in Christ, not only are the captives set free, but the poor and the needy are fed and clothed and sheltered. Deuteronomy is an Old Testament book with many wonderful pictures of these aspects of the life of the New Testament believer. And Bob Danker has joined us as once again we come to the life study of Deuteronomy to look at uh, uh, some of these wonderful divine provisions. Welcome back, Bob. It's good to be back, Chris, and I agree with you. This book, Deuteronomy, as all the Old Testament books are, actually is a book of marvelous pictures revealing to us uh, the very God whom we serve and also showing us what kind of people we should be as his people on the earth. For those who maybe haven't been with us in uh, our previous programs, just briefly, Deuteronomy is a book where Moses was preparing this new generation of the children of Israel to enter into the good land, and everything was about to change for them. They had been in the wilderness and having their needs met in miraculous ways, and now Moses is giving them very practical instructions on how they were to provide for themselves, for one another, and to meet God's need when they take possession of the good land. That's right, Chris. In the wilderness... The people had their needs met directly from God. They didn't need to give to one another. But in the good land, they had to labor themselves and to gain the harvest and to live in a relationship with God and with one another. And Deuteronomy contains many detailed principles of the kind of life that God wanted them to live as his people. Mm. One of the things we want to look at, Bob, is uh, God's statute to the children of Israel regarding their giving or their tithe is the Old Testament word uh, that we've kind of borrowed in the New Testament age. I don't think it's in the New Testament, actually. But anyway, uh, the need to take care of those serving ones, the ones that were serving full-time, the Levites in the Old Testament, uh, and also to take care of the needs of the poor and the needy. Giving is an important part of the Christian life, but it's something that's often abused and misused today, isn't it? That's right, uh, Chris. When we give, we need to give in a proper way with a proper view that is according to God. 
We're going to look at Deuteronomy 14 today. Let me just uh, set up with a couple of verses here, Bob, that I think will uh, get us into our first portion from Witness Lee today. At the end of every three years, you shall bring forth all the tithe of your produce for that year and lay it within your gates, and the Levite shall come. For he has no portion nor inheritance with you, as well as the sojourner, the orphan, and the widow who are within your gates. And they shall eat and be satisfied, so that Jehovah your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. Uh, A good way for us to put ourselves in the position of getting blessed. Here's Witness Lee with our first portion. Here's another study concerning aid to the needy ones. You know, God charged children of Israel to offer him the tithes yearly. The tithes at the end of every three years were to be laid within their gates to do what? To take care of the need of the Levites. The ones who serve the Lord with full time. They don't have possession, they don't have business, they don't have a job, they don't have any income. So God charged you to set apart a part of the income to take care of these ones, Levites. Then the sojourners, the foreigners, and the orphans, and the widows. How about this? This is our God. If we are such a giver to take care of the needy ones for God's sake, God surely will bless our undertakings. Whatever we do, God will bless. And that blessing is can return from God. You think you are giving. Actually, you are receiving. To give is much more blessed than to receive. I have tasted the more I give, the return quite often caused me to feel shameful. I give too little. And the Lord returned me too much. In history, all the good givers, they all contest with the same thing. They eventually receive much more than what they gave. I feel very sweet to read such a word. You have to realize, in giving to the Lord, you will never lose anything. The first item the giver should remember is the full-timer, the Levites, then the foreigners then the orphans, then the widows. After reading this, reading such a book, don't you realize this is much better than the U.S. Constitution? Our God, he's wise, and his Constitution is so simple, so plain. Everybody can understand. You really, you understand. Hallelujah. And this will make us happy. Amen. Just hearing that makes you happy, Bob. I've heard this principle spoken of many times. I'm sure all of our listeners probably have encountered this. And I think in this age, in the current climate in uh, Christianity for sure, maybe other religions too, this is not a new thought probably to most people. But somehow in his presentation of it today, it seems so sanctified and, and as well as pleasant and joyful. Nothing at all like uh, the burdensome thing that is often sort of presented to God's people, was it? This is a marvelous view, Chris. Actually, uh, we can see God's wisdom here. Among his people in the Old Testament, and it's still true today, God somehow allows certain of his people to be poor, in need, and then we have those who serve God full-time. They don't have a job. 
They don't have a way to support themselves. So there are many needs among God's people, and this is according to God's arrangement. On the other hand, we have God who is a bountiful giver. Mm-hmm. You can never outgive God. Right. You can never give more than he gives. And this bountiful God cares for all his people, uh, the serving ones and the poor ones and the sojourners. He has a caring heart, and he is a generous and rich God. He supplies his people richly and generously, and then he gives them the opportunity to give. Right. There is this word, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So giving is a blessing. If we think of only receiving, we will miss the blessing. And on the other hand, however, if we give, God will give to us in return, and we can never give more than he will give us back. What he gives us in return far outweighs what we have given. This is a marvelous situation in which we can participate in God's bounty And we can even express in our living this bountiful God, and then we can be blessed by him in a way that is disproportionate to what we give. Isn't this a marvelous situation? It really is. His word there that many times when he received, he was shamed uh, that his giving was not enough. And I know that feeling. I think we've maybe experienced that when you are on the receiving end of what God has given to you. It does make you very aware of even how little we've given, and that feeling is cultivated in our inner being that we need to be the generous givers that match our Father who is such a giver. Absolutely, Chris. Our Father is a generous, bountiful giver, and he wants us, his children, to express what he is. Then we just enter into this situation of enjoyment, of happiness, of receiving his blessing, and it's really marvelous. Well, this segment of uh, the book of Deuteronomy shows us a lot of God's loving care of his people in many circumstances, not just in the matter of giving and having needs met. But now let's turn to this topic that we opened up with today, and that is this matter of slavery. Uh, Listen to these verses, Bob, in chapter 15. It says, if your brother, a Hebrew man or woman, is sold to you, and of course that implies slavery, he shall serve you six years, but in the seventh year you shall set him free. And when you set him free, you shall not send him away empty-handed. You must supply him richly out of your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. As Jehovah your God has blessed you, so shall you give to him. Altogether a different picture of uh, slavery than what we normally associate. That's right, Chris. It's a marvelous view. It really is. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Some members of God's people sold themselves to others as a slave. Well, you have to remember, slavery could only be practiced for six years. After six years of service, the servants were to be set free. Why? Because our God is a God of rest. He created the universe with six days. Then on the seventh day, he rested. So regardless what's what, you could only have a slave for six years. By this you can see our God is wise, not unwise, he's very sympathetic, and he sympathizes with man. Then if you let the slave go, 
Don't let them go empty-handed. God is not that kind of God. He is a God of riches. He has plenty. So when you send away your slave, you must fill their hand up with all kinds of riches. This is wonderful. So firstly, God is the God of rest. And secondly, God is God of riches, not of scarcity. Then thirdly, suppose one of the slaves just loves the master. This one likes to stay. This is a very good type. You know, we were slaves to the Lord. Eventually, we uh, fell in love with him. So we love him, and we love his family. We would tell him we would stay forever. We don't like to leave. The type says right away the master has to accept. And this means right away when we have a free will offering for a whole life, the Lord never rejects. Then what the master should do? The master should all the year upon the post of the door to make the year one with the door. The door stands there for God and the year stands for you and you are awed into the door. The door is the place where the slave should be, waiting for service, waiting to listen to the voice of the master. It's quite meaningful. Okay, after this, the slave stays forever. This means what? To stay forever means you just have to give up your liberty, give up your freedom, no more freedom. Within the seven years, you have the freedom to live or to stay. Once you decide to stay and got nailed to a year on the post, then that's it. No more freedom. Bob, there's a tremendous amount of wonderful symbolism here uh, in all of these types. First, we have the, the freed slave after six years of service. I'd like you to say something about that. And then the fact that when he leaves, you, you can't uh, have him leave empty-handed. You have to fill his hands richly with your produce. And then this whole matter, and we'll leave that for just a moment, of the slave voluntarily staying for his whole life and the picture that this represents of our Christian life. Take your pick, Bob. <laughs> well, this is, as you said, Chris, full of rich symbolism. Uh, here, again, we should realize that God's law with his commandments, his ordinances, and his statutes is really a portrait of himself. So here we can see that God is a God of rest. He labored for six days in creation, and then he rested. Right. So he, in his law... He would permit slavery for only six years. Then he would release the slave. So he is a God of rest. Then he is also a God of riches. So in releasing the slave, you need to fill his hands with riches. God will supply you, the master, bountifully. So you don't have to worry about yourself. You just give generously to your slave when he leaves. And then you will express God in his richness, and God will bless you for that. But then we have this case where the slave loves his master, and he loves his master's household, and he doesn't like to go out free. He liked to stay there and serve his master and never go out again. This is a marvelous picture of our relationship in our service to the Lord. 
all of us should have this kind of experience that why do we serve the Lord? We serve him because we love our master. Listen to the verses, uh, Bob, how is this part is described in Deuteronomy chapter 15. Uh, it says, if he says to you, I will not go forth from you because he loves you and your household, for it goes well with him to be with you. You shall take an awl and run it through his ear into the door, and he shall be your servant forever. And thus also shall you do to your female servant. How about this uh, boring of the ear with the awl and particularly into the door? All significant, isn't it? It is, Chris. Uh, In his speaking, Witness Lee said that the door stands for God and the all stands for the slave. That means the slave in his ear needs to be joined to his master and needs to always be standing in the position where he can hear his master's voice and serve his master according to his master's desire, not according to the slave's concept or preference, but according to the master's expressed desire. This is the way Mm. we should serve the Lord, by having our ear open to hear what he says, to have his heart and his desire revealed to us, then we know what we should do in our service to him. Bob, uh, I want to read a couple more verses now that touch again this matter of slavery as we go to our third section today. Uh, Now we're in chapter 24. We're moving around, as I think our listeners have noticed in uh, these last few life studies, touching common points, but maybe in different chapters. So now I'm in chapter 24, if you're following along at home. Verse 18 and 19 says, You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and that Jehovah your God ransomed you from there. Therefore I am commanding you to do this thing. When you reap your harvest in your field, and you shall forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not return back to gather it. It shall be for the sojourner, the orphan, and the widow, in order that Jehovah your God may bless you in all your undertakings. Here's the sojourner and the orphan and the widow again, Bob. That's right. Let's go back to Witness Lee. The children of Israel, they were to always remember that they were slaves in Egypt and that Jehovah their God, your God, has ransomed you from there. How God treated you today, you are to treat the sojourners and often are we do in the same way. Remember their need. When the children of Israel reaped their harvest in their field and they forgot a sheaf, I say, Rule, you should go back, right? This is against divine constitution. When you forget, God will say, Hallelujah, how good it is, you reach one. <laughs> forget them and leave it in the field. And this is not a loss to you. This gives God a chance to bless you in your business. Under your business, God will come in to bless you. Do we believe this or not? We have to. We have God and our God's real, our God's living. Whatever be left, that will be for the poor for the sojourner, the orphan, and the widow. Isn't this wonderful? If you love God, what would you do? You will live a lot there. All the angels will dance. Hallelujah. God will say, that's it. I'll bless your undertaking. While you are doing your business, you should remember the needy ones among God's children. 
among God's people, there would be always the needy ones. Then you will have a heart toward them. Spontaneously, you will have a portion for them set aside. And God will see it secretly. And God will be happy about what you are doing. Then God will come in to bless your job, your business, your undertaking. Secretly, you will be blessed. And then the body of God's people will be all together under his blessing. There will be no scarcity anything, but all the time surplus upon surplus to show the riches of God. This is the way. It's wonderful. Well, Bob, what's being described here in uh, worldly commerce may be bad business, but in the divine economy, it is the door into blessing. I really liked a while ago how you connected these Old Testament statutes to reminding us this is a picture of God and the kind of God that we have. It's tremendous. It is tremendous to see this picture. Uh, In our nature, let's say, I would say we're not like this. We're very concerned about ourselves, and if we were to leave a sheaf in the field, we would send someone to go retrieve it because we would like to keep it for ourselves. But in God's economy, this was uh, not allowed. Whatever was left in the field belonged to God, and it was left there for the poor. This shows us, again, God's heart of love for his people to care for everyone. And uh, it also shows us that God is seeking an opportunity to bless his people. Mm. So in his word, he says, if you will conduct yourself in this way, then I will be able to bless all your undertakings. So this gives God a chance to bless his people. God wants to bless. But if we don't conduct ourselves according to him, then he has no standing, no ground to give us his blessing. So he's disappointed because he can't bless. Right. <laughs> and that's his nature, is to bless his people. Right. And we are sad we're because not blessed. we're not blessed <laughs> and we're hoarding everything for ourselves and we're not expressing God. We're not living a life that manifests the kind of God we have. So how could we be happy? How could we be joyful inwardly? Impossible. So this shows us a situation that if we want to be happy and let God be happy as well, then we need to take his way and not our way. Yes, this is a, a, really a, such a picture, not just of fulfilling a Christian obligation or requirement. And I have to confess, uh, as I look back in my life uh, as a believer, many times we operate on this basis. I know I need to leave a certain amount or have the feeling I should leave a certain amount in the offering box. And if I do, I feel okay. But this is a kind of a condition of life uh, that really mirrors God's heart towards his people and needs to be our life condition, doesn't it? That's right. We need to live in such a way that we magnify, that we glorify the very God who has chosen us and redeemed us and made us his people. Mm. Very sweet, very tasty uh, fellowship in the Lord's presence today as we've touched another Old Testament passage, but seen it uh, really uh, turned into something very, very applicable to us as believers, Bob. I really love these pictures, Chris, in the Old Testament. I do as well. Thank you, as always, for your help and your fellowship today, and I hope you'll come back very soon. Oh, I'd be very happy to.
Well, we'd like to leave you with our invitation to contact us. We would love uh, all the phone calls, the cards, the letters, the email messages that we receive. They mean a lot to us, and I don't like to ever forget this toll-free number. It's our lifeline to you, our listeners, and uh, it is 1-888-543-3788. And also our mailing address, Living Stream Ministry Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And I mentioned email. That's uh, simply radio at lsm.org. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.